welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. This week on Polygamer. Oh, you have tattoos on your chest, so you're a slut. I don't even buy that bullshit. I think people comment on that because it's what they see. It's just an easy thing to pick out about me, and it's easy to exploit. But I don't buy those. I don't buy those comments at all. I think they're garbage. That's Sarah Wilson, aka Pushing Up Roses, an accomplished YouTube video producer and Let's Player. You'll be hearing more from her later in this episode. But first, some updates on issues of equality and diversity in gaming from I, your host, Ken Gagney. Thank you to everybody who provided feedback on our latest episode with Mr. Dwayne DeFore. I'm not surprised to hear he was well received because he totally rocked the house at the PAX East 2014 panel, Sex, Sexy, and Sexism: Fixing Gender Inequality in Gaming, which was our first opportunity to collaborate and. I was happy to have him on the show to continue that discussion. We did get some questions regarding some clarification of the terms used in that episode, and perhaps we probably should have taken a step back. I'm hopeful that shows like Polygamer and Less Than or Equal and events like AlterConf will advance the discussion beyond Feminism 101 to Feminism 102 or 201, but every now and then we do need to remind people some of the terms that we're using, such as feminism. As Anita Sarkeesian said on the Colbert Report, feminism is the belief that women are deserving of rights and opportunities equal to that of men. That's it in a nutshell. There is nothing more to it. This is the definition that I provided when I was recently a guest on the Retro Computing Roundtable, which resulted in several readers writing in, thanking me for stepping up and speaking on this subject, and also specifically for taking back the term feminism. One such remark came from my friend Quinn Dunkey, who was the guest on the most recent episode of the Less Than or Equal podcast. She emailed me to say, The dirtying of that word has been one of the greatest victories for misogyny in recent memory. We need to reverse that. Believe me, I'm trying, and several people I've spoken with, if not outright confused by the term, admit that it is at least being misperceived by the general public. I asked one of my friends if she was a feminist, and she said yes, in the sense that men and women deserve equal rights and opportunities. Unfortunately, the term seems to be associated with bra burners. I don't know exactly where that comes from. I've never actually known someone to literally burn a bra. Another person I spoke with said that she does believe that men and women deserve equal rights and opportunities, but she will not identify herself as a feminist because she believes that term implies a belief in the superiority of women to men. I don't know where that comes from. The word doesn't have uber or super or supra anywhere in the root, but she says that if it was truly about equality, it would be called equalism or humanism. The fact that they chose feminism implies a superiority. I wasn't so much angry or frustrated or confused by that definition, so much as I was just sad. The person who is espousing this belief is brilliant, talented, entrepreneurial, artistic, creative, independent, and a fantastic mother. She is exactly the kind of person that we need standing up and saying, yes, I am a feminist, and that's what this word means. But she won't. And that really makes me sad. I don't know if some people have misappropriated the word and used it poorly to the point that we can no longer use it at all. And when I started thinking that, I wondered... Is this the same argument Gamergators make? That yes, this is about ethics in game journalism, and a few bad people have used this word for harassment, and that's not what it's supposed to be about. Now, I'm not equating Gamergate with feminism. There are worlds of difference between the two, including decades of study and practice and advocacy for feminism, whereas Gamergate is a fairly new term with a very dubious at-best origin. But I would hate to think that feminism has become as dirty a word as Gamergate. If you are a feminist and you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to take back that word. Tweet out that you are a feminist because you believe in equal rights and opportunities for men and women. The belief in anything else is exactly what The Onion was parodying when they published an article with the headline, I don't support feminism if it means murdering all men. Brianna Wu has said on Twitter that feminism believes in the best for men, that men are capable of more than what we are currently achieving. And so whatever the root word... Feminism is something that we all benefit from. On the opposite end of the spectrum from feminism is toxic masculinity. I unwisely used this phrase in a comment on Jonathan Mann's video about Gamergate, and I have not yet stopped receiving replies about it. A lot of people are misinterpreting the phrase toxic masculinity to mean masculinity, and so when we blame violent crimes on masculinity, of course these people find that sexist and threatening, but that's not what it is. I'm quoting from the Geek Feminism Wikia, when I say, toxic masculinity is one of the ways in which patriarchy is harmful to men. It is the socially constructed attitudes that describe the masculine gender role as violent, unemotional, 
sexually aggressive, and so forth. Now, as I've made clear many times, I am not an expert on the subjects of this podcast, and that is why I'm hosting this podcast, is to learn more about these topics. I do not have a degree in gender studies or women's studies. And so, when questions arise that I don't know the answer to, I turn to the experts. Comments I have gotten on Twitter and YouTube about toxic masculinity are a sort of distractionary tit-for-tat that, if toxic masculinity is a thing, then toxic femininity must be as well. Now, I question the motives of the individuals who are asking that question. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that the question itself is invalid. I don't know if there is such a thing as toxic femininity. So, as I said, I turned to the expert, and I spoke with Mr. Dwayne DeFore, who was on our most recent episode, and I asked him to clarify... Is there such a thing as toxic femininity? And if so, what does it mean? Hi, Ken. Here's his response. You mentioned that you recently got some comments stating that if toxic masculinity is a thing, then toxic femininity must also be a thing. Just in response to that, I'd like to say, first off, that when we are talking about toxic masculinity, we're talking about aspects of male behavior, of masculine behavior, in which men learn to take out their hurt their aggression, their anger on other people, to hurt others instead of dealing with those emotions internally. Somebody mentioned that school shootings, for example, mental illness was the cause. Mental illness certainly may have been a factor, but that ignores the fact that the majority of school shooters, I think only one school shooter has ever been a woman. Women also deal with mental illness. Women also have access to guns. So again, it comes back to this aspect of masculinity in which certain men learn to take out their behavior in those ways. Finally, the whole thing about bringing up toxic femininity is it's nothing but a distraction technique by those who are uncomfortable examining masculinity. Those who don't want to talk about masculinity try and divert and change the topic and say, well, women are bad too. That's not the conversation that you had on your podcast. That's not the conversation that we were talking about. If you want to have a podcast on toxic femininity or if they do, that's great. But that's not the conversation we had. That's all I had to say. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne, for leaving that response to our listeners. If anybody else would like to leave voicemail to be played on a future episode of Polygamer, you may do so the same way Dwayne did, which is by going to our website, polygamer.net, and clicking the link on the right side that says Send Voicemail. This feature uses the inbuilt mic on your laptop or desktop to record up to 90 seconds of audio, and you'll have the opportunity to review and replay it and re-record it if you like before submitting it. So with last week's show out of the way, let's look ahead to this week's. This week we have the honor of having on the show Miss Sarah Wilson, who is also better known on Twitter and YouTube and Patreon as Pushing Up Roses. I was first drawn to her YouTube channel as a fellow Let's Player, but she does do many more kinds of videos. She is a full-fledged video producer. But I was drawn to the retrospectives and Let's Plays of classic computer games that she does. Just as Lee Alexander does lo-fi Let's Plays of classic Apple II games, so too does Pushing Up Roses play such games as Grim Fandango, The Adventures of Willie Beamish, King's Quest VII, and Maniac Mansion. Now, having never owned a DOS or Windows machine of my own, I haven't played most of these games, but I have played the PC ports, and I was reading all the gaming magazines when these games were new. And so it's really exciting to see somebody so talented as this playing the games that I've previously only ever heard of, despite them being decades old. Sarah also has a unique look where she often appears in front of the camera on her videos, where it's hard to ignore her variety of extremely talented body modifications, including tattoos. I was very keen to interview this Chicago-based artist, however... I felt that I might not be the best person to do so. On Polygamer number 8, when I interviewed Mr. Chris Barney, we joked that we were two straight white cisgendered males talking about equality and diversity. Now, I do think that all voices, both mainstream and marginalized, need to be a part of the discussion in advancing issues of equality and diversity, and I'm not going to discriminate against somebody because they are the same demographic as me. However, that is not the voice that always needs to be heard on this show. I don't necessarily need to be the one who is always asking the questions. I've started this show to learn more about walks of life other than my own. And what better way to do that than by shutting up and listening? That's what I try to do every week by asking the questions. And it's what I'm going to do even better this week by not even doing that and listening to two voices speak about a subject of interest to me. So this week I'm introducing a guest interviewer. That's Miss Hadija Marenkov. She is an alumna of Polygamer, having been on episode number five when we spoke about cultural gatekeepers and white privilege. I've since had the honor of getting to know her better, and I now count her among my friends, and when I saw that she was a Facebook fan of Pushing Up Roses, I asked her if she would like to return to Polygamer as a guest interviewer. She graciously agreed, 
reached out to Pushing Up Roses, and set up the following interview that you are about to hear. So I hope you enjoy this abundance of voices on Polygamer. I'll be back as your interviewer next week. In the meantime, please feel free to leave a review of our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, or send feedback by sending voicemail at polygamer.net, or email me directly at feedback at polygamer.net. Thank you very, very much Thanks for again talking for being to an us ally. today. Yeah, I'm no really, problem. I just really, I'm glad to have you here. So, um, first of all, I'm going to ask you, why did you go into video production, and how, if you could give us a little rundown? You know, truthfully, I actually went into it because I was at a point in my life where I was not doing too well. I was bored out of my mind. First of all, I had just gotten out of a really bad... I wanted to be a body piercer. That was my dream. I wanted to go into body modification and be a piercer. I wanted to be an apprentice. And the apprenticeship went so horribly bad that I didn't... Yeah, it, it went so horribly bad and it was just not an industry that I wanted to be a part of. And maybe that was just my specific, you know, apprenticeship. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. been great ones, but mine didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. And so I had I had went back to school, but I was kind of bored with school too. I was just kind of going through the motions. And then I saw people doing, you know, video game content and videos. And I'm like, well, I can do that. I am, the, yeah, I'm the type of person who sees somebody else doing something. And I'm like, well, I want to do it too. And so I'll just put all of myself into learning how to do it. And it's been one of the most fulfilling things to learn how to do. I actually went to school before my horrific you know, body modification mishap. I went to school for fiction writing. And I'd, I'd never really, yeah, I'd never really used any of those skills. And so I use them in my videos now. And it's, it's great. I, I love writing. I love comedy writing. Mm-hmm. I love serious writing. And so it's it's been great, and it's kept me very occupied. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about how that writing skill works with video? Because, of course, we think about writing, of course, with words, and video is so visual. So how do you mm. translate those skills? Uh, you know, sometimes I don't even know how I do it. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much more challenging than people could even guess, because sometimes... When you're writing, you don't have to worry about translating something into a video. You know, you can just write and be expressive, but not everything you write can translate into a visual. There's been so many times Mm -hmm. where I've had to cut out paragraphs where I just couldn't get the visual to fit Mm -hmm. the writing. But if you can figure it out, like I said, it's it's so absolutely rewarding. I think if I didn't have the writing skills, I would not be able to do it. And I honestly, I don't, maybe other producers feel this way. I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. but... I think writing is the uh, most difficult part of the whole process. Okay, so when you say writing, you mean like the script or like is it a whole outline thing? Is it a how does it really work in terms of writing for the video? I think some people do an outline. I think some of my producer friends do an outline. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I write it, I write it kind of like it's an essay almost. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm such a dork. Like, I really liked <laughs> essay writing when I was in college. I'm like, yay, essays. Can't wait to do that. And so I write my scripts like I write, write, like I write an essay. Like, I start with a hook. Mm-hmm. I give reasons, and then I go down, and I start with a conclusion. And that's, okay. that's how I've always done it. All right. Well, I think that's – I mean, I can actually see that seeing some of the – even some of the Let's Plays you've done, there is structure, and I can see what you mean. Actually, speaking about Let's Plays, that's – I know how that's how you started, but can mm-hmm. you talk to us about the different types of videos that uh, that you've been making and maybe talk to us a bit about how um, writing helps with those different types of videos? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I did start out with Let's Plays, and those are – you know, sometimes those are more nerve-wracking than actually – writing the video because with the let's plays you always have to uh you always have to think about something to say you have to kind of be more of yourself when you're doing a video review you can kind of you can be yourself but you can kind of exaggerate it a little Mm. bit because you're kind of writing for yourself you're writing a character you're writing for content the let's plays are so off the cuff that it's like I gotta be funny like right now I have to say something important mm-hmm. it's kind of like improv versus a comedy like a play or something right yeah. yeah yeah I see what you mean and do you feel like these different types of videos show off different aspects of yourself or different skills you have oh yeah definitely I think um Somebody actually gave me a really nice compliment about the Let's Plays the other day, not to toot my own horn, but I think it describes it well. And they say that I just am, it's like you're having a discussion with a friend over Mm -hmm. a game. That's kind of how I've done 
the Let's Plays and with the reviews, um, that's when I can really think about jokes I want to put in there. Mm -hmm. Um, The Let's Plays, I'll watch my own Let's Plays sometimes because I have to edit them, so I watch them anyway. And like three hours later, I'll think of a joke that would be perfect for the Let's Plays, (laughs) and then I'll use it for the I'll use it for a review instead. So actually, the Let's Plays, just even doing them. That, I, I feel like that helps the writing. I feel like that helps mm. the writing of the review because you can think of things after that you didn't get to use. You really wanted to, and then I use them later. Wow, that's so interesting. I guess it's it's an inspiration in the action. That's very mm-hmm. cool. And so I, I've heard you talk about uh, Let's Plays and reviews. Can you talk to us about retrospectives, what they are, maybe for some people who don't know what you've been, uh, what you've been up to? Sure. Um, I've actually just recently started doing a few retrospects a few retrospectives i started with the sims um one of my friends got me hooked on the sims which is unfortunate cuz it eats <laughs> up all my time like mm-hmm. every day um but i i didn't want to do just a video on the sims because it's such a vast series so mm-hmm. i wanted to do what i refer to as a retrospective which is more of an historical account of things past so i started with the sims 1 and went through all the sims and then I did a retrospective on – I started a retrospective on survival horror, which led into a review of Alone in the Dark. Mm. Um, and some people – I think some people were confused because they were like, where's the rest of the retrospective? I'm like, that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I think some people think that retrospective means video series, like, you know, a series. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I kind of take it to the exact definition. I say, no, it's 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 the whole video is a retrospective because we're taking a look at things of the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm for me, what I want to do is I don't want to do a series of survival horror retrospective like. I want to do like separate retrospectives for each thing that I'm covering. And what would you say your reasoning is behind that? You know, I started out doing the Let's Plays, and they were purely what I, what I would say goofy or silly mm-hmm. or or lighthearted, I guess mm-hmm. would be a better word for that. And then I started doing review, well, quote, reviews. I, I guess we could call them reviews. I'm not really sure what to call them. <laughs> but they were also pretty lighthearted, I would say, sometimes. And um, I wanted to do something more historical because I like to learn. I love to learn and I wanted to apply that to adventure games. So with the retrospectives and since I I do retro content anyway, it's my Mm -hmm. favorite thing to talk about. I figure I cannot be the only person, you know, interested in the history of these video Mm -hmm. games. There's got to be other people interested. So I started doing kind of the retrospectives just kind of as an excuse to talk about mm-hmm. things I find interesting too. Absolutely. And, you know, you're talking about the responses you're getting already. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. How has it been a growing your fan base? Um, <laughs> yeah. So how has it worked for you, if you don't mind talking about that? It is like the most amazing thing in the oh, world. Wonderful. It's really awesome. Like I can't even fathom, you know, when I started doing the Let's Plays, I was so lucky to have like 20 people liking my mm-hmm. Facebook. And now it's become just a full-time, a full-time job. And I, I love it like so much. I love it. Um, it's kind of cliche to say, but I was kind of a, a troublemaker type of a child. Mm-hmm. Didn't have many friends. I was not popular. I was going down the wrong path and kind of having these people that like to talk to me and they look up mm-hmm. to me. It's it's very humbling. It's a very humbling feeling and I, I like it. I like talking to people. I like interacting with people. And not just that, but I've also kind of found like-minded people that mm-hmm. way as well. Because I'm doing kind of a targeted uh, genre here. I'm doing mm-hmm. these retro PC games in a world of console gamers. Mm-hmm. And so now I found, I found, I feel like I found my people, you know, I found my people, (laughs) I found my retro PC game people and they like the same things and we like to talk about the same things and it's, it's really great. I I love it. That's almost more of a full-time job than the reviews is (laughs) networking. I was just about to ask you, actually, I was wondering how much work it takes to keep in contact with the people that are watching the things that you create. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it takes a lot of time because I get so sunk into it I just I Mm -hmm. really like the back and forth talking to people so I do set out part of my day where I'll just I'll just answer comments on Mm -hmm. YouTube or I'll just talk to people on Twitter or I'll just I'll focus on Facebook for a little while It, it is 
it's difficult and it's difficult because you get so involved. You want to keep talking to people. You know, you just want to keep these conversations rolling. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets actually slightly distracting, but it's a good distraction. <laughs> it's a good that, distraction. That's good. But I'm just thinking, you know, putting yourself out there, does, does it ever make you feel, I don't know, like scared or vulnerable? I don't know the right word, but, you know, putting yourself so it seems like you like to be yourself with people because you they are your people, right? <laughs> I mean, I try to be myself as much as possible with um, what's with certain restrictions. Of course, I want to be. It, this is the internet, you know. I want to be course. safe on the internet, but I do try to be myself as much as possible. Um, I never want to feel like I'm um, just uh, joking with people all the time or misleading them into thinking I'm someone that I'm not. I'm not an I'm not an actress, you know. When it comes to these these video reviews, some people are. Some reviewers are actors or actresses. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this professionally. And I'm, I'm not really doing it like that. I'm just kind of playing myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, for the most mm-hmm. part. I'm like thinking about, you know, someone very popular, like the angry video game nerd, how he has right. this very specific character. And he lets people know through his own videos that, you know, he is another person, you know. Yeah. And I'm just wondering how much of that is applicable to you. Do you feel, I mean, I know you're saying that you try to be yourself, especially I was thinking in comments and things like that. But do you think in your videos, you do play like put on a part even in a slight way? I would say so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say it's an kind of almost an extension or an exaggeration mm-hmm. of myself, possibly even even a character that I would more like to be like. You know, when I'm on camera, I'm a very confident person. Mm-hmm. I like talking to the camera. I know everything I'm about to say. I'm very knowledgeable. And that's not always the case in real mm-hmm. life. I'm just a person, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so you're saying you're like a more prepared version of yourself. Yes. Yeah, I see. <laughs> and how, how does that feel? Like, does it feel like, you know, um, that it's hard to keep up off screen? You know, it it is a little bit difficult. It's a little bit like I have to think about that. It it is difficult. I do find myself feeling sometimes anxious, sometimes um sometimes overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I have to do. It's it's sometimes it's hard to keep yourself in check. You have to remember that okay, not everything is on the internet. Not everything is going to be reviews and YouTube and Twitter. I've got to I got to do real life stuff too, and I've got to mm-hmm. keep myself in check a little bit, you know, visit my friends. That's been slightly difficult. And um, it it gets even more difficult if I'm out with friends and I get recognized. And then, like you said, something kind of happens where you switch Mm -hmm. into that person when you're recognized. So it's it's a little... It can be overwhelming, I think is the word. How do you, um, what steps do you take to, to sort of take care of yourself in that, you know, in this kind of situation? Usually what I'll do is... I am known for taking very long step steps back in which I'll go mm-hmm. on Twitter and be like, guys, I need a break from mm-hmm. the internet. I'm still here. I'm going to be gone for a week. Mm. You know, here's a video. In the meantime, enjoy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and what does that, how does that help you to take it that just, step back? It just kind of helps me get away from the digital world. I mean, mm-hmm. Even though, even though, honestly, I've got a lot of good comments, it's very hard to step away from social media that's 24-7, all in your face, all mm-hmm. the time. You know, with seeing the good, you also see the bad mm-hmm. as well. And sometimes that just gets a little bit, again, it just gets overwhelming because now with social media, everything is happening all the time. You mm-hmm. see it whether you want to or not, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take a step back and it helps me just to... It actually just helps me to, um, well, normally when I take those kind of breaks, I'll dedicate my time to reading or mm-hmm. watching movies. I usually don't do anything internet related when mm-hmm. I'm taking a break. And just kind of, it's actually somewhat nostalgic, actually, because I remember a time where the internet wasn't even a big thing and I would spend mm-hmm. all my time playing games or reading or watching movies. And it, it actually helps to be nostalgia, nostalgic for those times. Every once in a while. Mm, that's that's really, I like that you said the word nostalgic. That's not a word that I would think of. But I guess, yeah, for those of us who didn't have the internet 24-7 since we were young, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting thing. There was a time when we couldn't just look up everything, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I miss those times, man. Like, <laughs> it's weird now because um, 
there was a time when the internet was becoming really popular. And I, I think I was about maybe 12 or 13 when we finally got AOL. And I, I got into so many communities. I started role playing on AOL. And, and that was great. Like those times were great. And I'm and now it's like everything is happening 24-7. Now it's like too much. It's like, oh, my God. Like It's a bit overwhelming. It's like an information flood, an emotional it flood. It is. So when you do take that step back, how do your viewers usually respond? My viewers are awesome. Like, I can't even say that enough. They're just the most understanding group of fans Wonderful. ever. Um, and I, I attribute to that to just being honest with them, uh, to, you know, to be truthful with you. Mm-hmm. I'm always honest about what's going on in my life without being, uh, for lack of better terms, melodramatic about it. I try to be honest and say, you know, I've got bad stuff happening. And Mm -hmm. I feel as long as I'm being human with Mm -hmm. my followers, they will respond in a human type of way. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had the situations, though, where being that honest about maybe negative occurrences in your life has kind of backfired? Yeah, I I wouldn't say it's backfired in the worst ways mm-hmm. possible, but there's definitely been been times where I've been trying to be honest about something, and then you'll get a comment like, "Oh, well, she's just an attention whore," and it doesn't even make any sense. Like, you know, it's just people. I think when you're talking about something sad, and mm-hmm. somebody is already jealous of you or or they don't like you for any mm-hmm. reason they will take the easiest thing about you and exploit it mm-hmm. and you know if you're being candid about something negative in your life that's an easy thing to jump on it's an easy thing to exploit mm-hmm. so i yeah i've definitely had that happen where oh i'm just using something to to get views i don't even know how that makes any <laughs> sense but uh, of course you want terrible things to happen to you all the time sarah so yeah that's exactly their attention. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness i have i have sympathy for that um but you know this the thing is that you keep staying honest which i i, I mean that must be difficult even in the face of those people saying those things yeah i mean i I do it because I know that my honesty is being more helpful to people than negative. And in my mind, all right, so what? So someone's going to dislike me. I'm not, that's not something uncommon that's been in my life. You know, I've, maybe it helped that I was a body piercer apprentice. Maybe it helped that I was a really Mm -hmm. bad, troublesome child when I was young. So I'm no stranger to having people dislike me for whatever reason. You know, I, I try to be apathetic about it. So in my mind, continuing to be honest and and talk about these negative things in my life they help people and yeah and sometimes and those are the most fulfilling things those are the most those are some of my favorite parts of even being a public figure getting emails that said just because you talked about this i feel better and this helped me and that's that's worth so much more to me than somebody saying that i'm an attention whore is somebody saying you helped me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I'm just thinking, though, in order to, you know, it, it, let's say if I wanted to be a public persona, I, I imagine that, you know, you have some thick skin from experiences. But do you think that would, you know, that should deter somebody from making videos that they should, you know, f- all, they should come in with a certain level of confidence? No, I don't. I mean, I think you should be confident in your work for sure okay i mean i think that's important anyway is to be confident in in who you are but i also think the only way you can get thick skin is to experience things Mm -hmm. so i don't want that to stop people from doing work i want them i want them to get into it and not be afraid and 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 maybe just keep in mind that there are going to be people that don't like you you know be that's just a realistic thing for me is there's going to be people that just don't like you for any Mm -hmm. reason um, but I, I don't I don't like it when people say, well, grow a thick skin because you mm-hmm. can't just grow one. The only way to mm-hmm. grow one is to go through stuff. Right. And I'm just, you know, you sort of started kind of giving some advice in your way of like, you know, you should just keep going. Right. Like keep trying. Mm-hmm. And do you have any other advice for people who are interested in making videos? Other than a lot of practice, okay. uh, I think the best way 
to start doing this kind of stuff is to find a community, find something you're really passionate about, and then go for it. I think some people try to talk about things because they see other people talking about it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more important to talk about something that you are particularly interested in. Like, it, it doesn't matter if it's not the most popular thing. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if you want to talk about knitting, you should talk about it because that's what you know the most and it's going to be engaging since you already know things about it. Don't try to talk about video games if that's not your thing, you know? You know okay. Choose, you know, choose something that you really, really like and people will see that passion and they'll they'll like it too, I hope. <laughs> it's hard. The internet is big and vast, so it's, it's really hard, but... Right. And I'm thinking, you know, um, along all this, you have to have sort of a, I mean, listening to what you're saying, an appreciation of what you know, you know, to say to yourself, yeah. I know this, you oh, know, yeah. and I'm thinking, you know, you're, you know, you came in, you like, you know, you love video games and you love retro games. And I think that it obviously shows your fan base is growing and growing. It's amazing. It yeah. is rough because I know some people think that, well, I can't talk about this because it won't get you know, I won't get any views, mm -hmm. but I, I don't, I don't think that's true. I find that I, I have found something that's a little bit more obscure and mm -hmm. I was really dedicated to it. And, and people did find me because I think there's something for everyone out there. It doesn't matter if I'm not getting a billion hits a mm -hmm. month because I've got this group of people who really appreciate, you know, what I do. I guess, um, you know, I, I'm just thinking that I guess people just have different goals. You know, your goal is to be part of something that is more l less material, let's say, yes. whereas somebody else might be interested in the views and maybe in the money making aspect. You know, that's true. That that's, is true. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking that it's, it's very it's it's great to see you know, the passion for what you're doing. And um, one thing that we, we've already kind of touched on is body modification. I know that you're not an apprentice, but I have seen, you know, that is something that you do talk about, mm -hmm. you know, in and out of videos. So how have people responded to your love of body modification? It's been very mixed. Okay. <laughs> it's been very mixed, but most mostly people have really liked it and i've i've even uh, proudly have changed the minds of the unsure oh goodness <laughs> you know some people who follow me have started out with like oh i don't like tattoos i don't like piercings i don't like any of this and you know eventually they'll say you know what roses you're right these tattoos are awesome i'm gonna get a tattoo so it's been very mixed some of the um some of the more unpleasant comments are usually along the lines of, oh, you have tattoos on your chest, so you're a slut. Hmm. <laughs> I, oh, and of I'm, course. Of course. And, <laughs> I, you know, I don't even buy that. I don't even buy that bullshit. I think people comment on that because it's the it's what they see. Mm -hmm. It's easy. Again, it's just an easy thing to pick out about me and it's easy to exploit. But I don't buy those. I don't buy those comments at all. I think they're garbage. Where do you think those come from? These comments about tattoo means slut. It's something that I feel I've heard before in society. But what, what are you thinking? Gosh, you know, I don't even. That one's a new one on me, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. before, before I got on the internet, I didn't know that. that <laughs> I didn't know. That. <laughs> so my my honest opinion is that it came from the internet. I, I think, okay. yeah, I think those ideas actually came from the internet. There are there are other stereotypes about body mod that have been around forever. You know, who you know, people who have tattoos or prisoners or hooligans, and a lot of that stemmed from kind of the 1950s post World War II era. Mm -hmm. um, that era was so very strange in terms <laughs> of like gender roles, and it was just so mm. very strange. And some of that stuff still stayed with us mm. today and it's i don't think that's i don't think well i don't think those gender roles were ever applicable to begin with but it's mm. it's stuck around so in the 1950s you're getting mostly mostly people in prison men in prison and sailors mm. and and people who came out of the war getting these mainstream tattoos in america and women were not women were not doing that and that wasn't mm -hmm. considered a proper thing to do at that time Mm -hmm. and, so for, it's, mm -hmm. and for some reason it stayed I don't know I don't know why <laughs> that stayed with so many people obviously a lot of people don't feel that way but for some people those ideals have stuck around right it's, and it is true it seems that it is a very gendered thing like you said slut 
-hmm. if you were a man with your same tattoos? What do you think would have been said? Uh, I think, (laughs) unfortunately, (laughs) the guys get called ruffians and prisoners and the the women get called sluts and whores. Um, So they both have their stereotypes, but they're... Mm -hmm. But seemingly the women get it a little bit more, they get more flack for it, for mm-hmm. sure. And I, I, I am genuine. I think it came from the internet. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I wasn't seeing that kind of stuff. Obviously, there was always kind of a weird stigma with females and uh, females and tattoos. Mm. You know, there, there was a comment I found on my YouTube channel and it said, why are all these females getting tattoos and why are they dyeing their hair? And I don't get it. And I said, well, you know, for a while, women weren't very in control of their body. You know, we've been taught by media and various other things what the right way is Mm -hmm. to look like. So women like me, women like me and other people who get body mod or tattoos, it's not only an expression, but it's to show, hey, I'm in control of this body. I can do whatever the Mm -hmm. fuck I want with this body. It's mine. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, as someone who I I also have tattoos and and piercings and I dye my hair all kinds of colors, I've had similar remarks. Why are the women doing this? (laughs) You know, and it's um, it's interesting how, like, as you said, it's about controlling, you know, (laughs) and uh, do you feel like that's something when you got when you decide on your look, is that something that you're consciously putting forward? I want to show that I have control. Yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah. And and my fan base knows that like, Mm -hmm. so or, you know, they know that I I tend to be a little bit more aggressive in my mm-hmm. approach. And if you even get me started on the, the the subject of body mod, I'm very passionate about it. I'm very outspoken about mm-hmm. it. And I think it's something that they've just, my my viewers, not, not people who don't like me, they're not my viewers, they just don't like me. <laughs> uh, but my viewers, they've come to know, to know who I am and put myself out there. And I'm I'm almost very defiant in a way. Um, if I get a comment that says you swear too much, I swear more. If I get a comment that says <laughs> I show too much tattoos, I show more. You know? Right, right. And it's a re- it's, it's a reaction. And what do you feel? Does Is that for yourself? Do you feel or do you feel it has an impact on your viewers as well? I think it's definitely both. It's It's definitely for myself. A lot of it. A lot of it. I mean, most most of doing these videos is something for myself. But mm-hmm. I also I have I have a a set of of fans who reach out to me sometimes and they say I'm too afraid to do this. I'm too afraid to mm-hmm. to show my tattoos. I'm too afraid to get one. Mm-hmm. I'm too afraid to put myself out there. So I put myself out there and I say, look, don't be don't be afraid. I'm doing it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. At least I try to. I know that's so. I'm making that sound easier said than done. Obviously, mm. anxiety and and doing and not doing things because you're afraid is a very complex thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to trivial trivialize it, but I do hope that people see what I'm doing and are able to take some inspiration from it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, when you see an idol or even someone you respect doing something so straightforwardly, it is inspiring. I can think of other, you know, video producers, even actors that, you know, they just put their, their foot forward and they say, listen, this is what I am and it's fine, you know, mm-hmm. and it's great. And I, you know, it's, I'm sure that your, you know, your viewers, not the ones that hate you, really appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> we talked a little bit about how people judge the way you look. And a lot of women have to face that when it comes to video production. Do you feel that there are other ways in which you being female has affected how viewers maybe comment about you or, or interact with you? Yeah, I would say so. It. I think people who don't see the difference aren't looking hard enough mm-hmm. because there's a there's a distinct difference in response. Sometimes I, I feel like I've been doing this for a few years now, and so I've kind of I kind of have my set community. But every now and then I'll get a you know I'll get a comment that says I'm a fat bitch, and. I'll I'll look at one of my male producers and they'll say, well, I've never gotten a comment about my weight or how I look. And so obviously appearance is something that people like to jump on. Again, mm-hmm. kind of it kind of goes in with my tattoos since my tattoos are a part of my appearance, but it goes into other things too. It goes into being fat or being a bitch or being 
I do get sometimes, sometimes very gender specific comments. Mm-hmm. And are these like one time things? Um, or is it like, is it the, that one person that keeps bothering you or how does that, you know <laughs> what I mean? Both. Yeah, oh, definitely, okay. yeah, it's both. I've definitely had a, you've, I've definitely had, um, a very dedicated hater in the past, just make like 50 accounts. Obviously on the internet, it's hard to tell who is who, mm-hmm. especially when it's anonymous. Sometimes I think it's just my ex-boyfriend making the same account over and over again. Oh goodness. <laughs> it, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell if somebody is, if it's one person or if it's a lot of people. Um, but these, they're definitely not isolated incidents. I've definitely gotten my fair share of gender specific comments right and do you feel uh, have you ever felt that you know even your because your content not only your your visual self but that your content been judged you know in in a gender-based way that actually no and I think that is because I think that is because of the content I think Mm -hmm. I I've always noticed and thought that retro pc gaming content was always so much more gender neutral. People almost find it kind of normal to see, well, not normal, but people seem to think it's more common for a female to be in the retro PC industry. And that that might be because we've had big female names in the PC industry. Mm-hmm. You know, Roberta Williams, Shannon Lorelai, um, Lori Cole and Jane Jensen. We've mm-hmm. had really big female leads up there. Although when I when I get into kind of the console area, I, I find that this might be a controversial thing to say. I don't know. With with all due respect, console gaming, since I do I love that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that there's somewhat of a disconnect. I've always felt a little bit more unwelcome in kind of mm-hmm. the console community, and I've always felt a lot more welcome in the PC gaming community. I see. That's a really interesting. Um perspective and i'm just wondering now the talking about this sort of um isolation aspect you know in one group or another are there you know across you know video producer groups do you have you felt alone in different ways maybe in terms of things other than content i have felt i i would say i felt slightly outcasted yeah and sometimes, sometimes that's due to gender. Sometimes it's due to we're all really awkward and really like <laughs> shy people. Sometimes we just don't want to talk to each other because we don't know what to say to each other. Um, but I've I've sometimes felt alone just due to the fact that there are not many other female producers mm-hmm. that that are doing the same thing I am. So a lot of my friends are are guys. And mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you, that gets a little old <laughs> over time. <laughs> I would lo- I would love to meet more female producers out there if, if there were in fact more. So I felt, you know, a little outcasted. Mm-hmm. And there's been times where um there's been times where producers have flat out told me I can't talk to you because of your gender because I don't want to get shit. And what, that's been hmm. difficult. What shit are they going to get? My guess is without them really, really knowing anything about my content or myself, I guess that they're afraid to affiliate with a female because they, they assume that I already get all of this shit all the time. Oh, I and see. They don't, yeah, and they don't want that to leak onto them. I see. I understand. Yeah. Um, so sometimes producers hmm. are afraid to affiliate with me sometimes it's not all the time and I don't think it's out of malicious intent sure. or anything like that it's mostly out of fear because nobody wants to get shit on the internet it's mm-hmm. you know it's hard to deal with sometimes but but in, in turn that's kind of hard for me to deal with because I want to make friends you know I want to mm-hmm. talk to people do you feel that all producers have that kind of mindset of wanting community or do you feel that there are some or or maybe that there is more of a competitive air I do feel kind of the competitive side of okay. this every now and then. Yeah. I I have gotten to the habit of only keeping really close friends who are producers that are like-minded because as as much as I kind of am disappointed to say this, the producer community is is like anything else. It's like any school, it's like any business. People find their clicks and they they mm-hmm. kind of stick with that. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that People who do that are mean or cruel. It's just that's just kind of happens. You find your clique, you find your group of people, and you just kind of stick with that. 
And sometimes it's really hard to kind of befriend people who they already have their friends. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's very difficult sometimes to network because I I guess you know a lot of producers like me can be sometimes socially awkward, shy. It's it's really interesting the amount of producers who are really over the top on camera who are very very shy in real life. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah I guess if you know viewers don't really get to see that, but um do you feel that, you know, the friendships that you have with the producers who you are friends with, are, have they been rewarding to you in this video making career? Or is it more of like a personal sort of benefit or a personal reward or is something that you do more off screen? I think it's been both. But for the most part, um, for the most part, it's been more beneficial just to me as a person. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's always beneficial to network and collab, but that's not, that's never really been my thing. I'm kind of a loner in that respect. So I keep my friendships kind of, kind of off screen with the exception of, with the exception of a few people. Um, Lazy Game Reviews is one of my best friends. And that, that was the result of like-mindedness. You know, once mm-hmm. again, we had the DOS stuff in common. So that's actually been beneficial as a producer and as a friendship thing because, we can work on the same content and not feel weird, you know, about it because we like the same things. Right. And have you ever, I mean, of course, I don't want you to name any names and get into any trouble here, but the opposite, have you ever felt like, you know, that you've made an enemy, like that there are people out there who are trying to um, dissuade you from doing your best work, other producers? I have enemies, most likely. <laughs> I'm 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 an aggressive person, and I'm not gonna be friends and with everyone. I'm gonna clash with some people, and there's been a few people who have tried to kind of knock me down a few pegs. You know, even saying things like "You're only getting hits because you're a girl," and "You're only popular because you're a girl." And this is coming from other producers and like I said I'm not going to name any names but there've been people there've been people who've tried to knock me down a little bit and fuck that like seriously <laughs> like I I'm not even not even going to deal with that so I'd rather have an enemy than somebody try to knock me down right so is it is your attitude towards them more of you know um retaliation in some way or do you tend to just ignore them you know, the best retaliation to anybody who's knocked you down is to just keep going forward. Mm-hmm. I know that's cliche and people say it a lot, but it's it's also probably one of the more true uh, true points. So my best retaliation to anybody who doesn't like me all that much is to do really, really well <laughs> and just be really, really happy with what I have. And I am. So it it, it works out pretty well, I guess. Wonderful. My last question to you is, if there's someone, again, going back to someone wanting to be a video producer, you know, and wanting to enter this, this, these different communities, probably more than one because things overlap, do you have any advice for them? Hmm. I'm trying to think about how I got into this and what helped me the most. Mm-hmm. I think what helped me the most is to just really, really try to put yourself out there in the communities. Don't be afraid to talk to people. And you know what? If if you're if you're feeling saucy and you're feeling brave, maybe sometimes try to talk to a producer. Send them a link to your work on Twitter. You know, I've I've had people do that to me and the ones I really like, I'll 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 give them exposure for that, you know. Mm-hmm. The only way that you're going to get seen or heard is to put yourself out there and talk to other people. So you just can't be afraid to do that. You got to talk to other people, you know, put yourself out there in the community and just be honest with people. And that's, again, that's a cliche thing to say. It's just like, be yourself. But mm-hmm. I find that it's it's a really important thing. Are there any specific, um, you said like tweeting at producers that you like and stuff like that, but are there any other ways or any other like sites you feel that are open to cr- uh, helping people make videos or any other outlets that you know of? Actually, uh, the site I'm on, on Retroware, we have a community dedicated to user videos. It's a user community. And every week we'll go through them and we'll pick the ones we like and we'll put, we'll actually put them on the site. We'll actually put them on the scroller over at Retroware. Hmm. And so there's actually a big community there where people can, you know, give constructive criticism. And it is constructive. We don't put up with, mm-hmm. you know, harassment or anything like that. But for people who want to get better, there is a user community there. Um, 
and there's 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 some other sites too. I, I might have to get back to you on that one if I can think <laughs> of them. But I know that there are there are forums out there that are helpful for constructive criticism, and Retroware is one of them. We have the forums, we have that mm-hmm. user community area. And we do look at them. You know, we look at the videos and we'll feature one that we like. And how do you feel people have people been able to move on from there onto bigger and better things? Actually, yes. <laughs> I'm happy to say that yes, it has, because if I wasn't if I wasn't able to say yes, that would sound really horrible. <laughs> but yeah, there's been a few people that have started, you know, in the user community just posting to see if and, and they've actually ended up on the site. Um Actually, I met I met one of my other uh, friend, female producer, actually, Erica Sabo. I met her there. And she, as I recall, I met her through the user community. That's where I found her. And even – I'm not part of, of that guy with the glasses anymore, but there's also forums and – not forum isn't isn't the right word. Commu- There's a community there. We'll mm-hmm. just call it a community. I can't remember. It's a forum or something like that. But there's a community there where you can post videos as well. And it it is kind of a risk because, like I said, there's so much stuff mm-hmm. on the internet. It's it's very hard to get noticed, and I I know I know that. But I do think it helps to to link your videos where you can. That is the end of the interview. I want to thank you so much for talking to me tonight. I really appreciate it. And I think we had an awesome conversation. I think people are going to learn a lot from you tonight. Yeah. I hope so. I didn't get too rambly about body modification, right? No, you did not. Actually, (laughs) I feel like we could have a whole conversation about that on its own. (laughs) You know, probably if you ever have a dedicated body (laughs) modification interview, I am the person to ask for that because I'll talk about it for hours. (laughs) That's wonderful. It's great to talk about what you love. That's like, I know I have a great time doing it i'm not even a video producer (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah it's fun all right so thank you thank you again sarah really i thank you so much oh no problem i enjoyed being here thank you for having me i'm flattered this has been polygamer game bits production find more episodes read our blog or send feedback at polygamer.net